In one trendy Denver neighborhood, right next to a golf course, we find an old home almost hidden in plain sight. Unkept bushes cover the windows. Overgrown trees consume the front porch. He's been missing for more than a year. Inside, a 69-year-old man. He wouldn't look you in the eye. An urban hermit who permanently shut himself off from society. Basically disappeared. So removed from life and people, nobody knew he vanished. We do know police found a body. A year after his family searched his home. Well, there's no way he was there when we searched after him. After unsanitary conditions hindered their investigation. A year after he was declared missing. We'll be out with the health department. The mystery of Chuck came to a bizarre end. No more after the coroner's report. Who's to blame? How does a man become... He was found in his own home. home. Lost at home. What was the thing that prompted you guys to go back in February of 2017 to go try to find your father? Um, well, a guy came and knocked on my door on Valentine's Day. That was this house here? Yep, this house here, yep. He knocked on the door at like nine o'clock at night, which was weird, but he just said he was a, a neighbor of my dad's and uh, they haven't seen him in months. So he thought that, that thought he was missing. He said he was a neighbor of your dad's? Yeah, or his mom was a neighbor of my dad's or something like that. That's Brian Frary, Chuck's youngest son, talking about the guy who first told them their father was in danger. Throughout the past eight episodes, you've heard me talk about this stranger I've nicknamed Mystery Mike. He knows something about Chuck, knows enough to prompt his kids to mobilize and start looking for their dad. This is it. The episode I've been waiting for, we tracked down Mystery Mike. Welcome to Blame, Lost at Home, Episode 9. My dad also was into classic cars, so he uh, right away started talking about the cars and wanting to buy the cars, which I thought was really weird, <laughs> suspicious. So yeah. this guy, he comes, to, he comes to your door and he says, hey, uh, I know your dad. Uh, I think he's either missing or he's dead. Correct. I think he told you that Correct. he thought he was dead in the house, didn't he? Oh, that's right. He did He did yeah. say that. And that's what made us call oh. the cops. Yeah, he called me and told me that. The they told us to go into the house. Mystery Mike, who really is this guy? Let's run down how I found out it's a man named Michael Raymond Galusha, a man with a significant criminal history. Brian Frary gave me a phone number Mystery Mike gave him the night he knocked on his door. I took that phone number and ran it through public databases we use in the investigative unit, and I found it connected to this Michael Raymond Galusha guy. I also found an address in a suburb north of Denver. It was time to take a drive there. Here in Thornton. Are you rolling right now? All right, so here we are. We just got to this neighborhood in Thornton. I'm in the car and we're gonna pull up to this guy Mike's house. This is Mystery Mike. We believe it is Mike Galusha. This is the man that, we're, that we believe knocked on Brian Frary's door and told him, hey, I think your dad is either dead or missing. So we wanna know how Mike knew Chuck. The house is a pretty, it's like a suburban older style house in suburban Thornton. White paneling, brick, a few trees outside. The lawn looks like it's okay. It's not messy or anything like that. So I'm gonna go up with my business card and see if I can talk to Mike, so. 
right here I go walking up to the door here a dog he's got one of those video cameras up front he's got one of those hi there I'm looking for Mike Galusha Galusha My is dead been dead since 2015. Since 2000, Mike Galusha has been. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Ray? Is it maybe Michael Ray Galusha I'm looking for? I Born don't in 70. You don't know where he's at? No. Does he live here? No. Okay. My name is uh, Jeremy. Yeah, he won't come back here. He won't, he won't come. He won't, do you know how I can get a hold of him, Meta? No, I don't. Are you his mother by chance? Yeah, by You chance, are. But okay. He's not coming Could you help me get some information about him at all? Do you know how I. You don't know, you don't know how I can get a hold of him? No. Okay. All right, sorry to trouble you. All right, okay, well, uh, that was his mom who just answered the door, and it sounds like they don't have a good relationship whatsoever. So, knocked on the door. Mom, there's two Mike Galushas. There's a senior and a junior. Senior died in 2015, according to the woman who just answered the door. Presumably, that's the wife of senior Mike Galusha. Junior Mike Galusha, who we're looking for, born in 1972, will not come back to the house. I think I heard her say that. She was not very, I guess, what's the word I'm looking for, willing to speak with me. She was a little bit annoyed, I think. I think she felt a little bit annoyed that I came to the door, so. She wouldn't even take my uh, business card. So, all right, another dead end. At this point, after calling phone numbers connected to Mike and going to his last known address, I run into a brick wall, but there is always a trail we can follow, and I get an idea. During a background check, I found this guy has loads of arrests and criminal cases on his record since 1991. 20 criminal cases for things like disturbing the peace, harassment, stalking, drugs, and assault. Most recently, Mike has at least two active warrants, one in Weld County, Colorado for assault, another for a drug case here in Denver. In that case, a police report says Mike was exiting off the freeway, lost control of his car, and then hit a barrier. When cops showed up, the report says they found cocaine and heroin in Mike's pocket. That case is still open and pending, which means possibilities are open too. Maybe not. No, he's older. This guy was born in 72. All right, so uh, I am standing here at District Court in Denver. It's about uh, 8.30 or so. And the reason we're here is because we know that Mike Galusha, Mystery Mike, has a court date today. He has an arraignment scheduled today at court. So we've been uh, up here on the fourth floor waiting for him to show up. Uh, he has an arraignment, so he is supposed to show up in court today. We don't know if he's gonna show up. I've been jumping in and out of the courtroom trying to look at faces because I do have a mugshot of uh, what I believe to be Mystery Mike, Mike Galusha. And I've been scanning faces and so far, I don't think he's here yet. Not just yet, so we're kind of waiting in the hallway and if I see a guy that looks like it might be him, I'm gonna approach him and ask him how he, how he knew Chuck. So here I am, after an hour of waiting in that courtroom, I did not see Mr. Mike Galusha inside the courtroom. 
we had a sheriff's deputy check for us to see if he checked in with the, um, with the prosecution or the, or the public defender's office. He did not. He is not here. So our hopes of trying to get him during his court date today looks like it's not going to happen. Well, that path to court didn't work. But I'm not done yet. I make more phone calls to people connected to Mike, and then I get a lucky break. Okay, I was able to contact uh, someone who used to be close to um, Mike Galusha. I was able to get a different phone number for him that may connect to him. I don't know if this number's gonna work. And let's see if this guy answers. Oops, accidentally calling my mom. <laughs> All right, so let's see here. I have a feeling this one's gonna work this time. I'm sorry, but the person you called has a voice mailbox that has not been okay. set up yet. Okay, all right. Okay. Goodbye. All right, well, here's the thing about that call. It rang several times compared to the other calls I made. So maybe, maybe that phone number still works for this guy. I'm going to keep trying throughout the day and uh, see maybe if this dude picks up. Attempting to call that same number again... It's the next day. I'm sorry, but the person you called has a voice mailbox that has not been set up yet. Well, Goodbye. I think I already have that message memorized at this point. Okay, all right. This is probably my, uh, I don't know how many attempts this is, but I'm going to keep trying. Yeah, I'm looking for Mr. Michael Raymond Galusha. Um, yeah. Yeah. Can you help me find him? Is this Mr. Galusha? No, it's not. It's not? Okay. My name is uh, Jeremy Hohola with Nine News. Uh, do you know how I can reach him? You know, I, I just got this number. And, um, oh, okay. So I think it's his old number. Oh, okay. So this is this is not this is not Michael Galusha then. Okay. Correct. Okay. All right, man. Thank you very much. You bet. Take care. Bye-bye. Man, well, I don't know whether to believe that guy or not. Sounded honest. Said he just got the number. Well, let's see where we're going to go now. All right, so we're rolling. All right, so I got another phone number uh, that traces to Mystery Mike and how I got this number was uh, from a person who told me they want they don't want to have anything to do with this story. They don't want their identity revealed, but I'm very confident this person uh, knows uh, Mike very well. And what happened was I actually tried calling this number a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago, and a man answered, and the man who answered claimed that he was not Mike Galusha. So what I did was, after I recorded that, I was like, oh, okay, that number doesn't work. And I kind of sat on it and sat on it and sat on it. So I found, I found a person that knows Mike. And I sent that audio recording to this person. And when they heard the audio, that audio recording, they were like, that is 100%, without a doubt, Michael Raymond Galusha. That's, that's Mystery Mike. 
Uh, they were very confident, and after talking with this person, I'm pretty sure this is Mike. So apparently he lied to me the first time. Uh, so I'm gonna try the number again, see if it works out. You ready? All right, here we go. Hey, Ray, what's going on, man? Hey, what's going on? Hey, how you doing, dude? How's this? Hey, I hope, I, I really hope you don't hang up on me, man. I've been trying to talk to you for a while. My name is, my, my name, my name is uh, Jeremy. I'm, I'm a reporter with Nine News. Do you got a quick second? I need to speak with Mike. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I know who you are, man. I, I know, I know you're Michael Raymond Galusha. I just got a quick question for you about Chuck Frary. Who? Chuck Frary. Do you know, you remember Chuck? I have no... I don't know who that is at all. You went to Chuck's son's house. Uh, Chuck was a guy who lived at 50th and Tennyson. You went to his house February 13th back in 2017, and you, you told his son that his dad was probably missing or dead. Do you remember that? I do not. That was not me. It, it was about maybe you were interested in uh, Chuck's car. Like a, like a 57 Bel Air Chevy that he had on his property? Do you remember anything about this? I do now, I do. Um, there was a uh, car that had been sitting somewhere for quite some time. Um, and basically, the, uh, what I was told is it was kind of abusive to the family, so they packed up and left one night. And I asked him if he was interested in selling the car, and he just said, nope, his dad was a car collector, and that was his car. Uh -huh. Just left at that. Yeah. So did you did you did you know Chuck? No, no, not at all. You didn't you didn't know Chuck. So did you did you try going to the property and trying trying to get access to the car? Basically, uh, we was trying to find somebody who owned the property to see if they were interested in selling the, the car. Oh, okay. And they said no, so I left it at that. Oh, okay. How did you find Chuck's son that night? Um. The mailman um, came, and I asked if he had seen somebody, and he said he hadn't seen anybody there for years, and uh, basically uh, gave me the last name, and I, I pulled it up on the internet. And just by luck, um, I came up with his son. His son told me a little, little about him, and it sounded like it was pretty, um, it was pre a bad, a bad situation. So okay. Talked to him for a little bit and figured it, and it was just a, a dead deal and moved on. Yeah, and so th you you were just primarily interested in, in Chuck's car then at that point? Basically, yes. That's all we wanted was the car. Did you ever talk with Chuck face-to-face? -face? Never. Uh, no, no. Never. Never knew him. Never. Yeah, I was just, uh, what I was told was, uh, um, you know, like I said, the, the family unfortunately packed up one night and moved on. Therefore, uh who told you that? His son. Oh, his son. Okay. Did you ever go inside Chuck's house or anything like that? Never. Never. No. No. As a matter of fact, it looked like uh, um, they were using it for storage or something. There was a lot of... It looked like it hadn't been touched. And it was like you're a hoarder or something like that. Yeah. And you you recall that night, though, going to Chuck's son's house and saying, hey, he, your dad may be dead or missing? No, no. I said... Uh, I don't think I said anything like that. Um, it's been so long, I couldn't even tell you what I said. I was just mainly concerned about, hey, are you interested in selling this car? Um, and uh, this is my name and number if you are. That's about it. Okay. Do you know what happened to Chuck at all? 
Did you did you do you know the circumstances surrounding Chuck's death? I didn't even know he was dead. I thought he was just maybe homeless and um, maybe had some mental issues. Oh, okay. He was missing for a whole year, and then he was eventually found dead in his house. Oh, yeah. 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 Back in February, he was he was uh, finally pulled out of there. But from what we understand, after you know interviewing the family, uh, you were the guy that kind of like got the ball rolling with them to to, to oh, kind of to get the missing persons to re- yeah to, to look for them but it sounds like you you've never from what you're saying you've never you've never met Chuck in person it was just mainly the car that you were interested in right exactly and do you remember what that car like what kind of car it was it was a 57 Chevy and you're like a car guy or something like that that you're like I uh, am. did you talk to neighbors or did you do you have like any sort of connection to the neighborhood there or anything like that there was one neighbor I'd asked if anybody had lived there and they basically was, uh, you know, a head shake no, and that's it. It's an up-and-coming neighborhood. It looks like one of those neighborhoods that, you know, back in the day it was considered a slum, and it's coming up. It's like everything else in Colorado. There was one neighbor you kind of knew in that area then? Uh, no, yeah. well, my friend Larry uh, has done lawn um, stuff. And so, how did, how did you know the car was there? Was it was it like a car you could see like on the property or something like that? Yeah, like I said, Larry was uh, somebody who maintain lawns. Uh-huh. And uh, you, you get to build a lawn over there or something inside. Oh, okay. So a, a buddy of yours was like doing... It sounds like it's really windy where you are. Where are you right now, dude? Yeah, yeah. I'm up What's that? Up here in the foothills. Oh, you're up there in the foothills? Five minutes in, Mike reveals so much about Chuck, his mental health problems, his hoarding. But then as the conversation continues, I hear some weird breathing sounds Mike is making on the phone. We debated in the newsroom whether he was crying, freaking out, or maybe he's just sniffling or something. I don't know. We continue to chat. And I don't know how much of this I want to get into. I mean, the poor family was going through something. It sounded like it was very abusive, and now... Where did they find him, actually? They found him buried underneath uh, some debris in his living room. Yeah. Oh, my God, he's in the house. Yeah, yeah. See, what happened was you, you visited Chuck's son on February 13th that evening. The ne- that night, they tried to look for their dad. They went back again the next day. Then they filed a missing persons report. And then it took a whole year for them, uh, for the city, I should say, to finally get the resources together to get inside the house and uh, dig through some debris. And they, f- they finally found his remains uh, under a, a couple of feet of debris. Jesus. Yeah. Oh my God. Did you hear about this at all? Not at all, not at all. Not at all, okay. Primarily, you just, you just wanted the car then. That's the only thing I had to do with anything. Uh-huh. The car, it looked like it had been sitting there for quite some time. Yeah. What would you have done with the car? Like, like restore it or sell it or like... I restore it. You know, something that I've always uh-huh. wanted with a 57 Chevy. Yeah. Not, a, but not much of a, so much of a convertible though. That was, uh-huh. But then again, you know, it was a, that was a very rare find. And it was obvious somebody wasn't... Uh, didn't care much for the car. I mean, it sounds like you're being honest with me. I mean, to be honest with you, it sounds like you're just telling me what you know. Well, that's exactly what had happened, unfortunately. It's sad that the man was kind of just left alone. Yeah. Basically, he died alone. It's unfortunate. Well, you know, I, I mean, I am a reporter, and I do have access to a bunch of public documents and all that stuff. And I'm pretty, I mean, I'm pretty aware of your, of your kind of your past. Are you aware of the warrants that you have right now? No. 
Yeah, you have a you have at least two warrants out there. Oh, I got a thirty two up here. You got an FTA out of Denver, and then uh, you have something else out of Weld County. Are you are you aware of those? Not at all. Is that something you may want to take care of? Because I think if, if you do have any more interactions with like law enforcement, uh, I, I, I would probably bet they may take you in. That sucks. Well, I got to figure that out. I, I will tell you, Mike, I'm a nice guy. You sound like a nice guy to me, dude. Um, yeah. You know, um, so we'll see. Take care, sir. All right, man. Take care, Mike. We'll see you. Okay, bye-bye. bye-bye. Holy shit. There he was! <laughs> oh my god! All that searching, all that phone calling, and there he was. Ugh. So he lied to me the first time. I'm gonna get I get the sense uh, Mike is not a very reliable person. <laughs> uh, he's a hard guy to track down. He sounds like a nice guy. Uh, but you know, when you look at his record, he's got a phenomenal criminal record for some serious crimes. And he's got an assault warrant out of uh, Weld County. So that's something that I gotta think about, you know, when I'm calling him a nice guy. <laughs> I mean, I think this, in, this conversation, the way it played out, at first he had no idea what I was talking about. Then I gave him a little bit more details. And then there was like this, you know, tone of realization, like, oh yeah, I remember. And then he kind of went into even more details about Chuck's life and relationship with his family. So he kind of knows a little bit about Chuck. He denies telling the family that he told the family that Chuck was either missing or dead. And I mean, there's no doubt he was the one that went there. And he, he confirmed that he talked to the son, looked up the son's information on the internet. He says he was just primarily interested in the car. He says he never met Chuck in person. He says he never went inside the house. Sounds like he was pretty well aware of Chuck's circumstance of not being there in the house or being missing. Like he knew Chuck, there was something wrong with Chuck. You know, he knew. Larry the lawn guy (laughs) is apparently Mystery Mike's friend. Larry the lawn guy is a guy who does lawn work in that neighborhood, in Chuck's neighborhood. And Larry tells Mystery Mike, hey, there's this car on this property. You should probably go check it out. Mystery Mike goes over there, checks out the car, is interested in it, uh, probably knocks on some doors, you know, in the neighborhood, right? Because I think he said he talked to a neighbor or something like that, finds out a little bit about Chuck's circumstance and then does some Googling or whatever and then goes and talks to Chuck's son. So, um, Mystery Mike, there he was. A 13-minute conversation. So let's go over this again, what Mike said. He knew Chuck was abusive. He knew he was a hoarder. He knew he was estranged from his family. He knew he had some sort of mental illness problems. We never said Chuck died alone during our conversation with Mike, but Mike said he died alone. So how does he know? For a guy who never met Chuck, he sure does know a lot, doesn't he? After that talk with Mike, I received a text message from the person who gave me his phone number. They said, Mike is the textbook definition of a psychopath who has seemingly succumbed to drug addiction. Please be careful because if he doesn't like what you report, he might come after you. If he threatens you, please don't take it lightly, feeling a bit concerned for your safety. 
Now that we've found Mystery Mike, we don't know what's next in this story. We did get new documents from the city showing how much money was spent on Chuck's case. We may get into that next time. We still have more questions, and we're not done yet, but I feel we are getting close to a conclusion here. Maybe. Be sure to subscribe for our next episode. Thanks for listening to this episode of Blame Lost at Home.